Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. This week's episode is a recording of one of our Global Autism Community exclusive events. The topic of this roundtable discussion was transitioning into college, and it was hosted by community moderator Liz Castillo. Liz began her involvement with the Global Autism Project in 2017 as a Skill Corps volunteer in Kenya, followed by trips to India, Nigeria, Czech Republic, and Poland. She has also completed our Leadership Academy program, served as a Skill Corps mentor to future travelers, and managed our social media and donor communications. Thank you, Liz, for your dedication to our mission and our community. Also participating in this event were autistic self-advocates Corbin Havener and Andrew Bennett and community member Sophia Matalonga. What you'll hear today is the first half hour of this roundtable discussion. Unfortunately, there was a technical error and the rest of the event wasn't recorded. We thought it was still worth releasing, and I believe you'll find many of the participants' insights interesting. In today's conversation, they discuss transitioning from living at home to living in dorms and support available at school. In this episode, discover what's possible when you move towards independence. To learn more about the participants in this discussion, please visit our show notes at autismknowsnoborders.com. Roundtable discussions like the one you'll hear today are open exclusively for members of our online Global Autism community. We select a different theme each month, and our moderators monitor posts daily to ensure that our online space remains safe and respectful. If you'd like to attend and participate in any of our future events, you can sign up today at community.globalautismproject.org. We appreciate your time. If you enjoy this podcast and you'd like to support our mission, please take just a few seconds to share it with one person who you think will find value in it too. You can also follow us on Instagram at Autism Podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Global Autism Project, and join our online community on Mighty Networks at community.globalautismproject.org. And now I present you the Global Autism Community. Hello. All right. So this month for our roundtable discussion, we are talking about the college transition and what that's like for autistic people who are transitioning from either living at home and living now moving to independently, whether it be in a dorm room, in an apartment, or for those who have stayed at home and just kept living at home while transitioning into college. We're also going to talk about the different support that is available while you're going to school and just tips and tricks that you found helpful that you did for yourself. Also things that you found helpful from the school as far as support. And then the way that our family members and our friends can help be supportive during this time this is a big transition in anyone's life. And so when you think about the small things that may happen 
throughout this whole big thing, it really is a lot. So having all the support that you can get during this is really awesome. So again, my name is Liz Castillo. I've been a part of the community for many years here at Global Autism Project. We'll go around and we'll introduce each other. That way, uh, listeners know who's here. Okay. I am Corbin Havener. I've been one of the community moderators for the past six months this year. I live in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I am currently a uh, union uh, member of the uh, United Steelworkers Local 715. And because of my schedule and, of course, uh, the fact that nothing's ever really figured out in life, you know, I've also recently picked up substitute teaching. And so far, I haven't had a lot of jobs yet, but I have done... also, I've done a pre-K, a third grade, and a couple of different high school classes and include like freshman to senior. So pretty much I have not done middle school yet, though. Awesome. Thanks, Corbin. Glad that you're here. Andrew, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself? Of course. Um, I'm Andrew. I'm coming from Houston, Texas. been a part of this community for me a year and a half, almost two years. Just Recently got involved in some of the Global Autism Project activities again because I really enjoyed the time that I spent hanging out with all of you this year. And in my time away from yeah, I'm also worked with Lee College here in Houston. There is a Connecting to College program that I'm part of as one of the transition specialists. So I work primarily with neurodiverse college students to help them to transition into the college environment and be successful academically, socially, and professionally. My roots are in behavior analysis, though, in the ABA. So I'm looking to explore that and the areas of ascent-based practice and neurodiversity-friendly practice as well to bring the experience that I've had as a self-advocate and working with adults who are living, breathing human beings just like everybody else into the field that I grew up up in during my uh, college years. Awesome. Well, we're very lucky to have you here, Andrew. Your profession lines up perfectly with what we're discussing. So thanks for being here. Sophia, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, my English is not so good, so sorry (laughs) for that. I'm a special education teacher and art visual teacher of high school. And I am now I'm a researcher, a drawing researcher, and I'm, I'm having some studies to recollect information about creativity connected with autism and people with autism and that produces artwork and so on. That's, that, that's my point of research now. But I'm still an artist, drawing artist, and I'm glad I can join you here. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sophia. I love that. I, I think that's going to be important too. We can touch on that topic as as like this transition happens for a lot of autistic individuals. It's important to still do those things that they're passionate about. And so I think you'll probably be able to hit on that topic a bit later too. All right, so the first thing I want to go ahead and jump into for our first part of this discussion is the topic of the living situation transition. So I know that some of you have gone to college and some of, I mean, Andrew, you've worked with people. I I would love to hear what that transition is like and what weight goes into 
making that decision when you're first starting college? What specific things do you take into account when deciding, do I stay home? Do I try living on campus? How would talking that out look like and what goes into making that decision? Because I think it would be helpful for people who are going to start making that that decision and start coming up on that transition, thinking like, what do I need to be mindful of when deciding to live on campus versus off campus? How would it benefit me versus how would it maybe make things a little bit harder that I'm something I'm not even thinking about? So yeah, I'd love to hear about that from you guys. Okay. Well, I think um, one of the things, and you know, I lived in an on-campus situation and of course, there's certainly various um, ways to do that. And I'm sure if you were living away from home and your living situation certainly required more accommodations uh, legally, there would have to be a situation that allows for that, of course. But I would certainly say, um, you know, you can always consider the, si- consider the sizes because there are like lots of different scopes of colleges. I think I'm somebody that, Obviously, I'm definitely can be prone to different stresses, but, you know, I've always been successful at finding my way and almost any situation I found. I went to small residential college. So if you're, um, if you want to equate it with athletics, I went to an NCAA division three college. So division three is typically sort of the smallest division of it. So it's like a so it was uh, Trent University in Angola, Indiana. It was an hour away from you know where I lived and grew up. So it provided just enough distance. But I also think that when you're considering a large campus, you know, large campuses can often provide great opportunities and organizations. Like one one of them that I'm intrigued by is Butler University in Indianapolis. You know, that one of course has a student-led organization. Butler University Advocates for Autism, which, you know, might be a great resource. So if you're considering, say, a larger college, because obviously that is an experience that, you know, if you want to have, you know, you have a right to pursue the experiences that you want. You shouldn't let a disability interfere with going after an experience that you want. So you can feel comfortable about that if you know there's good advocacy groups um, that are student-led faculty advice that are on a campus. Yeah, I think those are really good points when considering like small college versus larger college. And one thing that you were talking about made me think about one of the things. It's been a few years since I transitioned from being at home to going to college, but I do remember, aside from costs being one of the like big factors of deciding to live on campus versus off campus, one of the things was how involved I wanted to become in the community life, like campus life. How is that going to be for me? And for me, I was someone who was going to be going to a school that was not in my hometown. I was going to be very far away from everyone I knew. And I know myself enough to know that if I lived off campus, I probably wouldn't have had made as many connections and made as much of an effort to be involved with different school activities versus living on campus. It kind of pushed me to one, build friendships and build connections because I had roommates, like I had dorm mates 
and everyone's there. <laughs> so it's hard to avoid them. We all eat at the same place. We all go live in the same place. So, and then the other thing was I was able to just walk over whenever there were any events. So if I was bored and just watching TV or if I was out in my dorm reading, I'd be like, oh, like I should go check that out. It's just right there. If I don't like it, I can walk back quickly and be away from it and take a break, you know? So I think if you're like considering living on campus versus off campus, taking into account how involved you want to be socially and what you want your campus, your college experience to be like is important. So for someone who maybe is wanting to step outside of their comfort zone and be a bit more social and take this opportunity to build social interactions and social opportunities, maybe living on campus is good because I'm thinking about like the fact that when I was on campus, it gave me that ease of access because it was right there. I could just walk downstairs, walk to little events that were on campus. And if I got overwhelmed or needed a break, I could just walk away and go back home without thinking about like, oh, well, it's a whole trip, you know? So that that's something I think that would be good to consider. Like, what does that experience look like for you? Because that could be helpful. Andrew, do you have anything that some of like the people you've supported through this transition have taken into account when thinking of living on campus versus off campus? In my experience, most of my students are just getting into college. It's their first time. So they're 18, 19, 20 years old. And so they're usually still living at home. Since a lot of them also don't have a lot of experience being on their own or growing up and doing adult things. So in that scenario, it would be quite, quite common for somebody to stay at home because this is very new to them. Some of them have their own car, some of them don't. But the car is probably a good first step before moving out and living on your own. And I still didn't have my own car for the first year or so of living on my own. I had my parents' old van that I drove until I earned enough money to buy my own. But that was an option in my case that I had available that some don't. Um, So most of these students also don't have other things that I would consider important in the consideration of what your living situation would be, such as uh, including roommates or all the other social considerations that somebody would have to have if they were living on campus rather than back at home. So in my experience as a transition specialist, mostly there's just one type of student. However, there have been other students that I know that have been of older age sometimes, in addition to just being the typical age demographic you'd find at college. But if I can comment on my own experience as a 23-year-old college student, living on my own for the first time was a little bit easier to make a logical step when I first went to college because it was a little bit more convenient. I was right next door to it. I also was at a point where it wasn't feasible for my, me and my parents to live together anymore for a couple of practical considerations. So we set it up that way so that 
I would need to take that step forward and live on my own. And I lived by myself. I've always lived by myself since I moved out of my parents' house. But I also had to consider some things that were just easy for me because I never had to do them myself, such as laundry, self-care, hygiene, and cooking. So knowing that these things are well in place allows parents and the individual themselves to be more comfortable with being independent. In my case, I depended in the first year or so, sometimes leftovers that my parents would make if they did, they did barbecue. And so I would know how to just whip up some sandwiches until I started to become more comfortable cooking different types of meals to the point where now I cook a great deal of stuff. And food being one of the absolute most essential things for human survival, it's probably one of the first considerations, but being able to get out and be mobile is important as well. I had a martial arts community that I hung out with as I was training for all, most of the 2010s. So I had a social life in that dimension. I had church community that I spent time with. And all of those have expanded through the late 2010s and into the 2020s as well. So it's allowed me to have a full social life outside of where I came from. And I just never found that I was interested in having a roommate. And I've thought about it a couple of times in the last couple of years now that I'm at a place where I feel that my interpersonal skills are strong enough that I could do that. Most of the time, though, when it's been a thought in my head, that particular opportunity didn't work out. And then I think later, you know what, I'm okay the way that I am. And some people will choose to just live on their own because that's something that they're used to. They're very independent and they don't like people messing with their routines. So, so that's the way that I just operate right now. I'm just so used to it that like, if I decide to live with somebody in the future, it could be for practical reasons, or I feel like it would advance my interpersonal skills or be a great experience, or I decide to get married and I live with somebody. I mean, that could be the first time. I'm just not at a place where I'm not worried about it. I've just seen that I've grown in enough ways as to see that I'm content where I am, but open to growing. And I think that's where everybody should be in a place. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I think I lightly touched on like one of the reasons why it's like cost. And then the other one is like your social interactions, but even deeper to that is like what you brought up thinking of, do I want to live with a roommate or do I want to live independently, like on my own? That's really important. And as you were talking, Andrew, it made me think, um, Sophia, I know that you said you're an educator what age grade do you did you work with? And in your experience as an educator, did you have the ability and the time to focus on some of those like independent living skills that your students would then need in the future? Is that something that as you're creating your lesson plans, you're thinking of? Or was it more like education-based, like, you know, or like math and language arts and all that? Or did you have the opportunity to build in those skills and think like, oh, if this student decides they are going to want to go to college, like, should do, do we go over meal planning? Do we go over like hygiene? I'm curious to hear your experience. Yes, my experience this year, I, uh, students, the, um, I don't know in English, uh, 
three years I, I school uh, in Portugal uh, in Lisbon I, I my classes um is the um, 10 11 and 12 I don't know the similar it's the same I don't know no it's so okay three, I, I think just explain three. it in yeah just explain it how it is in your culture because I think it's wonderful for us to hear what it's like English uh, is difficult I, I tried high <laughs> <laughs> uh, school is three years before before um college and students of special education sometimes do these three years in professional schools and after three years they can work and in these three years when a special education educator uh, teacher I uh, uh, um, be with them uh, in that case uh, that in these three years we prepare them for work sometimes cooperating with uh, some uh, institutions so they are evaluated working more or less working and school and we and we um, write reports that how he's going in that uh, restaurant serving whatever but with students that go the three years uh, different not professional academic to three years prepare to college in that way in Lisbon um, after the, that three years when they go to college they don't have a car <laughs> they live in, in Lisbon we have many college here available and usually they stay in, in their parents don't, don't in, uh, live independently that's the, how it work, works here I don't know <laughs> in my experience I went to college um, when I was uh, 70 117 and I, and then after make that degree, I made another and another, and I didn't have social interactions. I hate that, and I run away from that. The only social interactions that I had was teaching and working and learning. And after college, I went to a music school, and I always, by learning, I interact with others. Not, not social interactions, I... I I'm not, and the, the all the parties in the college and events, I never. <laughs> and I went for uh, different degrees in four college dif- different. Last year, I finished the last one, the special education degree uh, master in um, this uh, July. And they were um, a dinner's party. I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> and um, well, but uh, my colleagues, they know me and problem <laughs> well I'm not a social person <laughs> yes awesome and oh yeah I just like there's a point that I made that just that just sort of came up but obviously when we talk about special education especially maybe those students who might be in a more strategic like it seems like that is the ones who are most focused on like the life skills, like how to yes. do laundry or how yes. to cook. Yes, yes. And the thing about this is, like, there's a saying, like, universal design, when you include disabilities, benefits everybody. And I guarantee right now, there is a um, 17 to 18 year old high school senior who is, like, probably like National Honor Society valedictorian candidate who's highly social. You know, highly social, uh, doesn't seem to be struggling with anything, but probably has no idea how to do laundry or how to cook. And if they were in a situation where they were living by themselves, they'd be in for a rude awakening. So I think that is one thing 
I feel like when we talk about this, we're almost thinking of a an autism or special education practice, but this is something that kind of impacts <laughs> everybody. Yes. Yes. I also really appreciate that you brought up the cultural difference as well, uh, Sophia, because in a couple of the countries that I've been to and talked to some of the locals, there are some differences about whether it's normal or typical for people to stay at home past um, the age of majority. In fact, um, I was in Costa Rica about eight months ago, and when I chatted at one of the, ta- the Uber drivers while I was uh, going from one place to another, and he said people stay at home well past 18 here and most of the time at least traditionally. And that would teach them to be very respectful, very friendly and very welcoming and be close knit with each other. And if anybody's ever been to Costa Rica and experienced what the tourism industry is like there and how the locals are, you feel that because they really much, very much care about each other, but also about making sure that people that visit really enjoy their experience. And I'm not sure how this would be. This conversation would be different if we were having it in a country like that, where connectedness and even like um, collectivism was more valued, perhaps, than in the United States. And it's interesting you bring that up that it's maybe somewhere in between or something in Portugal. Or um, I think we should also have to be culturally sensitive to the way that societies operate. I've worked with a couple of students from Latin American countries as well. One was Nicaraguan, one's Mexican. And I definitely think that they would stay at home more. And again, I can't really speak for the majority of students since most of mine have been living at home past 18 anyway. So I can't say whether that's normative or not. Oh yeah, did you want to add to that? Sophia? Yes, uh, here in Portugal, is, is um, sometimes people, students want to leave parents' uh, homes more soon, but in this one, it's, it's so expensive. You have to share a small room, a small house with so many students, and the conditions is, are not so, yes, but uh, for our, our, our uh, level of economic level, of the majority of, of people is, is too expensive. So, so only people with more uh, foreigners can go to residences or share rooms and houses, Lisbon, in Lisbon or near Lisbon. Maybe it's, it's one reason, I don't know. I live my parents' house 21, but I was lucky that I can do that. But not, it's not common, not, not common. I was in, in college and all my colleagues live in a parents' house. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think there's just so much to take into account. There's so many, and I love that. Like you guys spent some time to hit on that cultural difference as well, because in some cultures, I know for the like for Hispanic families, like you stay home and every like grandma's here, grandpa's here, parents are here, kids are here, and now as an adult, you're still here until like you get married. You know, so it, I know it it varies in each household, but even from household to household taking into consideration, like there are cultural differences as well. And I think that's, that's important to take into account. Like if you're someone who's coming up on that decision, take into consideration, like 
how does this, this impact me? What are like the cultural things that are happening here? What are like thinking about the social interactions, the campus life? Am I going to be mobile, like car wise? Am I, is everything walking distance? Just there's so much to take into consideration. I think you guys all lightly touched on so much of that. But I think it's important, like if someone is coming up on that decision, make a list, make a list of all the things you absolutely need to have to make yourself successful. So maybe you know that you need that peace and quiet. And maybe you do want to live with someone, but you need to make sure that you have that peace and quiet for yourself to reset. Are you going to be able to find a roommate who meets that, you know, expectation for you? And just going into it, like very aware of what your needs are so that your living situation doesn't also become another chore on top of this huge thing of going to college. Cause that's a huge thing for anyone as Corbin was saying, it's universal. Um, and I think it's really important that you take the time to be aware of what your needs are in your living situation so that your living situation could be where, where it, it's a place you come for refuge. It's a place where you get rest, you reset, you let down all your guards and can study efficiently and focus and reset. And so, yeah, I think you guys all touched on such great things and love that. Thank you all for sharing. Um, the next thing I kind of want to Thanks for tuning in to Autism Knows No Borders. Moving out of your family's home for the first time can be really exciting, but also overwhelming. You may be throwing yourself into new situations that can cause a lot of stress. However, with the right planning, you can set yourself up for a successful first year in college. What are some of your experiences transitioning into college? Do you have any tips for other students? Share your advice over in our online Global Autism community. Whether you're a self-advocate wanting to connect with other autistic people, or you're a family member hoping to support and empower your loved one, or you're a professional seeking to hear directly from autistic voices and improve your practice, you can join our online Global Autism community to collaborate with people all over the world. Sign up today at community.globalautismproject.org. Let's work together to transform how the world relates to autism. Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at autismknowsnoborders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please kindly rate the show and leave a review. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.